Um, Let's read God's word, Mark chapter 5, verses 14 to 20. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs, and the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Jesus was getting into the boat, and the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, No, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. Everyone has actually managed to keep uh, keep track with where we are. This is actually sermon number thirteen in Mark, and I'm I'm loving it. I got to say. But um, I don't know how that's going for everyone else. Uh, before I start, can I just mention something? Uh, I don't like mentioning birthdays, but there's a cl- there's a, we we should mention David's uh, ninety. Congratulations, Dave! Well done. That's that's a that's a week ago now, though. So anyway, I'm a little bit behind the times. Um, okay, so this is sermon number thirteen, and. Uh, uh, Lex spoke last weekend about about a couple of things. Uh, please go back and watch that. That, that. that was really it was really good. There's a n- number of p- number of small groups this week who actually went back and watched it again um, to 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 take it apart again. Uh, I talked two weeks ago about 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 a man who is who was shackled, and uh, we talked about him living among the tombs of his past and and living amongst who he who he was, tormented by evil. Uh, yeah, he. He'd lost his identity. He's lost his community. He's lost his his value in many respects. And I, th- I think for all intents and purposes, you can you can tell that he is just shackled by sin. And yet, the story of the gospel, the story of of many of the people in this room, is that Jesus bridges that gap, and he and he and he comes close to us. And he cares about the things that are going on in your life. And he travels from the other side of the world, if he needs to, to make one life free. And uh, there's, there's four points I want to get to this morning. I, I guess uh, maybe, maybe they're characteristics of, of what it is to live a life that is truly free. And now, I don't, know, I, I don't know about you, but I reckon that's probably a pretty good conversation to have as a, a, as a church, right? Anybody else here interested in wanting to be more free? 
I hope there's a, I hope there's a couple far out. <laughs> um, one, of the, one of the most humbling experiences of my life uh, was, uh, was several years ago in, uh, in Brisbane. So I, was, I went with a mate of mine to a, a men's... What do you call it? Like a men's dinner, I guess. Uh, my mate's, my mate's church, church is massive, and uh, so their so their men's ministry would be uh, so their men's ministry was a couple of guys sharing their testimony, about three people sharing their testimony. And what happened was, there's about probably two, three hundred people at this at this event in someone in someone's backyard. This is obviously before COVID, um, and uh, there was three speakers who, who who just shared their testimony. The first guy. I don't remember. The third guy, I don't remember. The, the second guy changed my life. And uh, his, his name was Luke, and he told a story of growing up in this, in a, I guess, a church-going family in many respects. His family with the church, he, he knew all the stories about God, and, and he had a bit of a rebellious streak. And uh, so, he, so he wasn't one of these guys who, who went along with the flow. And um, he, I guess, over the years ran away from home, he, uh, he fell into the wrong crowd, he got hooked on drugs and, and some other sort of uh, stuff and uh, start, started hanging out, hanging out with the wrong people uh, and obviously got, you know, his, his, his life gets caught in one of those spirals that starts going nowhere, right? And he, uh, he eventually uh, ended up breaking into houses to, to sort of, you know, to steal money for, uh, you know, for drugs and everything else and obviously when you start doing that, you, you tend to end up going, in, going to prison. Uh, you went to, he went to prison the first time and he managed to leave being a more accomplished criminal uh, because what, that's, off, that's often the result uh, of, <laughs> of going to prison if you're, if you're a crook. And, uh, oh man, that's my old language coming through, isn't it? Crook. Anyway, um, anyway, he, uh, he ended up getting, getting released and uh, he, was, he was out for a bit. He, he kept breaking into houses and, and kept doing the wrong thing. He, he also uh, elevated, I guess, to stealing checkbooks from a mailbox and starting writing checks to himself and all that sort of stuff. Um, the problem with that sort of stuff is you get caught pretty, pretty easily. And um, he, he, was, he ended up getting sent back to prison a second time. And he... Um, while, while, he was in, while he was in prison, his, his, ch- his church, which was this church, which, which he was sharing to, um, they got a bunch of people together and every couple of nights they, they met together and they prayed, believing that God could break into that young man's life. And, he, and to, their, to, to answer their prayers, man, he did. Um, Luke told the story about about you know like you know there's there's that story in Acts about about how about how Jesus confronts Paul. Imagine imagine that sort of story from the inside of a prison cell. Like pretty remarkable stuff. Je- Jesus breaks into this young man's life, and he still obviously had a uh, he had he had time to serve. He he still had a journey of. Of redemption and a couple of years of real heartache to go through, but he's he's there telling this church about the difference that this Jesus makes. He's there telling his church, who prayed for him while he was in prison, about the reality of this Jesus. And 
I was one of the men, I guess one of the many people who went and, who went and gave, you know, shook his hand and gave him a hug afterwards. Um, but for a very different reason. And uh, the reason I went and hugged that guy is because I was the detective who put him in prison the second time. I learned a very important lesson there. And that was one of that was one of those very humbling moments in your in your life when 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 you realise that Jesus can not only alter somebody's life completely, unlike anything else I've ever seen before in my life, but he also takes great pleasure in using me doing my job in my old mundane doing stuff to use to, to use that for his purposes. Let me just say something to you this morning. Now, I sense there are plenty of people who need to hear this. God's not finished with you being used to make a difference to somebody else. God's not finished with you. If you've got breath in your lungs, you've got a job to do. It can be really easy in the Christian life to consider, you know what, my... my my life's so normal. I'm such a normal person. I, I, I've got, I don't, I don't really have any special skills to offer God. I'm, I'm a very, you know, I've got this mundane job and I don't really have an influential one. I don't, I, I don't have, you know, charge over thousands of people or whatever else. And it's, and there's, maybe there's not, not so much that God can use me for. Rubbish! Stop it! <laughs> Please! Because I want to tell you that God can use you wherever you are to reach one that nobody else has yet. Because here we have this story this morning of Jesus crossing what is essentially the known world of that, of, of that time and across the sea into a very non-Jewish community of, full, of, full of those people, calming storms, calming the, calming the storms inside that young man's life, and he then faces some opposition. The, the people who are, who are there don't want him staying there because he, because he threatens to upend their, their economy. So Jesus turns around, does a U-turn, dumps in the back of the boat and goes off. What's, what, what's, the, what's the result of that? One man. One man. But that one life has the capacity to change a whole nation. Anyone heard the story of Billy Graham? Some pastor, who wasn't even a pastor, it was an elder of a church who read somebody else's sermon because they didn't have anything else prepared. And some young guy in that, in that, life, in, in that, in that meeting gave, gave his life to faith and that guy went on to change the, life, change the world. You think God can't use you? Here's the first characteristic, I guess, of somebody who is free. I think, I think it's a missional heart. I think it's a missional heart like Jesus, where there is no barrier conceivable where I can't reach somebody else. Maybe it's the reality that Jesus can use you wherever you are to reach the one that nobody else can. Okay? We, 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 all, we all want to use, we, we all want to reach multiple people. We want to have, you know, 
big and big and good and big impact and, and maybe that'll happen, right? But, but so often, God is happy just using us to reach the one person He puts in front of us. Because that person deeply matters to Him. Now, I, I, I guess this story does have some application for, for our church and I probably should be honest about this and especially with the AGM coming, you guys have got to vote for, vote for stuff, right? Um, I've, I've realised something about myself over the last couple of years that, that, that probably I, I need to be honest about. It is that I tend to make decisions for a church based not on keeping 99 people in the church safe and happy. I tend to make decisions based on the one who hasn't come in yet. So if I get something wrong and you don't like it, just, rem- just remember there may be an ulterior motive, <laughs> right? <laughs> I've said it before, I'll say it again, the most important person in our church is the person who hasn't arrived yet. Now, let me be very clear. You matter to Jesus. You matter to me. You matter to this church. This church matters to you. You should expect that this church loves you. You should do the same in return, right? But the greatest passion we should have in in here is the one who hasn't walked in the door yet. Anyhow, let's let's, let's, let's look at hung up on that this morning. Let's worry about your world, (laughs) right? Because, because tomorrow, you're going to walk into a school or a workplace or a farm or wherever you are, and it's good we have this story to, sh- story to show us that we don't have to necessarily walk across large bodies of you know, water or, or get across large bodies of water to reach people for Jesus, even though we support missionaries who do. We, we don't have to worry about navigating too many storms to reach one person. We just have to worry about the person that Jesus puts in front of you. Just, so tomorrow when you walk in the door, just, just simply ask yourself this question, right? Remember that there is nothing that Jesus wouldn't do and no storm he wouldn't go through to reach one person that nobody else in the world noticed. And, nobody, and, and everyone else in this, in this story thought, this guy is too far gone. And that's not the story of Jesus. That's not the story of my life, by the way. It's not the story of our lives. The question is, I guess, who who is that one person that Jesus is going to bring into your life and how do you make a difference to get into their their story? I'll leave that with you. Um, Second, I I, I can't not notice a, a tension here that I think is really important to talk about. And maybe it's not really a, it's not really a, um, a characteristic of a person who is free, but, but, but I think it is. And I think it's the reality of the Christian life that, that, that we need to wrestle with, right? Now, there's probably some different theological beliefs on all this sort of stuff, and we're probably getting into some dangerous territory, which is the wrong weekend to do that. But um, the, it's, the, it's the question of deciding which identity are we going to live from. Lex talked about this last weekend, but, but you know, verse, verse 15 says, this man was sitting there perfectly sane and fully clothed. It's the, it's the picture of complete change, right? And he, is, and he is essentially sent by Jesus to go and share his story with, this, with, with the people around him. Now, now, now please follow me here, because we've been doing a Bible study on this with a couple other guys, and, 
and just, I guess, wrestling with it. But this, this, this man has been, like his life has been shackled by sin, right? He, he has shackles that are holding him back from, you know, from evil and sin. We, we talked about him living among the tombs of his past with that wounded heart going on. And he, there's, there's no question here that Jesus' healing of him is full and complete. But there's the daily battle with the sin that still rages within us about which person are we going to live from. And I, here's the thing. So sometimes we only let the healing that Jesus wants to bring skin deep. Okay? Because on a daily basis, we must decide whether which, which person or which identity we're going to live from. We can, we can either be... So, it's, so, so even though Jesus has, has set this man free completely from his past, and even though he... Will he continue living like a man who is shackled? Will he continue living like a man who was bound up and wounded deeply? Will, will, he, will, he, continue, will he continue on in his own strength trying to become a more and better person now? Will he, will he start trying to, you know, live from a place of shame and trying to, trying to be driven to prove himself more? Or will he truly step into the freedom and the grace and the forgiveness that Jesus is offered him? Will he, will he start living from that place and that identity of a dearly loved child of the king will he will, will he start living from that place of the spirit of god is has filled my life and he wants to change the deepest hidden corners of my life will, will he start living out second corinthians 5 anyone who belongs to christ has become a new person the old the old life has gone the new life has Begun. I reckon this is a really just 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 a just a very. It has lots of complexity to it. That that question. But let me just let me let me let me just ask this. Have you truly allowed the healing and the freedom that Jesus truly brings to overtake your life, or are there pockets of resistance? Are there, are there honestly pockets of resistance in this life today that you can say that Jesus hasn't really, he hasn't changed that one yet? And what are you doing about it? That's, that's the journey of the Christian life. And the tragedy, I think, would be is if this guy receives complete healing and rescue and he only allows it to go skin deep. The Christian life is a new life. It's a whole new life. And the reason I talk about this this morning is I'm, I'm convinced that for some of you that God wants to go a lot deeper in you. I'll just leave that with you. Um, point three, I just, I just want to notice this guy's, this, guy's t- this guy's testimony. And ask you to, to, have you ever given any consideration to what your testimony of God's grace is in your life? I, I find it interesting here that this guy wants to climb in the boat with Jesus 
and just follow him. Like he he instinctively wants to, to, I'll go wherever you go. I'm I'm with you. And Jesus says, for the first time, I think think only in Mark, he says, no, you, you stay here and you make a difference in the community which I've put you in. Go to your family. Go to, go to the towns. Go share your testimony of God's goodness and mercy. I, I tend to think we sort of, you know, we, we, we hope for a testimony that sort of is like a little bit over the top, right? We, we want to have one that includes evil spirits and demons and other sides of the world and shackles and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, this, this guy's story about change is not that different to ours. It's, it's really not. I reckon there's like, there's, there, there are three simple things that, he, that, that, that is his testimony. And maybe this is a good conversation or, or a good thing for you to think about, okay? The, the first one is who I was. We're, because all of, us, all of us can resonate with where our life was going before we met Jesus, can't we? Even, even if you were young, even if you were little before you met Christ, you, you, you can still think about and mull over, what are, those, what are those things in my life that was selfish, that, that I was drawn to, that would have gone to it down, down a pathway of no good? We can all answer that question. What might, what might have been the outcomes of that story, like, like Luke's story was? Step, step two is then Jesus. What's, what's the story, of, what's the story of, of when you met Jesus? Like for Luke, it's a prison cell. And it's, a, and it's a, like lights from heaven and all sorts of other crazy things. But it doesn't have to be anything crazy. It can just be that moment where you stop living for yourself and you start living for somebody else. It's that, it's that moment of surrender that is the really important part of this. And the third thing is who I am now. Has, has the fact that you follow Jesus changed anything about your life? Has it, has it honestly changed anything into, like, like, what were the tombs that you were living, on, living around? What were the, what were the, what? What has changed? And just, just remember, don't, don't, Put it, in, put it in your words and in today's language. Because if you start using the words born again and saved in today's language, people don't understand what that means anymore. <laughs> right? Start talking about things like hope. Talk about purpose. Talk about contentment. Talk about forgiveness. Talk about the fullness of life because people get that. Point four is... This is, this is a question that fascinates me. And maybe, maybe, like usual, I'm overthinking it, and it's okay. Right? But where are the disciples in this story? Because if, if you read the whole passage, there, there is not a mention of where they are anywhere. Now, like usual, maybe I'm overthinking it, and maybe Jesus told them, just, you guys stay here, I've got this one covered. Maybe they're fixing the boat after a rough storm last night. Maybe 
maybe the whole... Ha- Maybe the whole story happens right in front of them and they just have to stand there and watch. But, but I, I suspect there's something else going on here. And I think, it's, I, think it's, I think I suspect that because the last words we heard from their mouth at the end of chapter 4 was, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. I reckon, at the, I reckon there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a sense where the disciples have got questions in the back of their head now. Jesus, is, Jesus has confronted their doubts. And I, I, reckon there, I reckon there are some things that are some far more likely scenarios for the disciples going on than maybe just where they are right now. The first one is burnout. We've, we've been rowing all night last night trying to stay alive, trying to solve all the world's problems in our own strength, we're exhausted and now we get to the other side of the lake and Jesus is off. I just haven't got the energy to run, to, to run with him. Maybe the disciples are just, maybe they're asleep. Maybe they see this guy over, over outside of the boat and they look at this guy and they go, this guy is out of control and he's crazy and we don't want to put ourselves in danger. And maybe they miss what Jesus is trying to do right in front of them. I'm just, I'm just happy here staying in the boat, thank you. Maybe, maybe the third one is not this guy <laughs> because this is, this is non-Jewish country. So for these guys... This is a very, you know, p- pigs and pig farmers are, are ceremonially unclean. We, we don't talk to these people. We're not comfortable talking to these people. I'll stay in the boat, thank you. I'm not comfortable reaching that one or that one or, or that one over there. Maybe, maybe they look at it and go, there's only one guy. That's not, it's not much of a challenge. Just, 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 just one guy. And we've already, we've already mentioned that this morning, but they, you know, maybe, maybe they couldn't be bothered getting out of the boat for one person. The, the last one, or the last two, Jesus doesn't really need my help. He, he's got this covered. I'm happy just to sit here, in, sit, sit here in, in, in comfort because Jesus knows what he's doing. It's all good. Maybe the, maybe the last one is, is that Jesus threatens my security. He threatens my safety. But the storm, almost, the storm almost killed me, and now Jesus is challenging me to get outside of the boat, get outside of the box, think about the bigger picture about who I am, and maybe, maybe what, maybe what happens, to, happens to these disciples about now is they start thinking that I, I really don't want an eternal saviour, I really want more just a, a safe pace of life here in, in the here and now. Maybe about now they're starting to have moments of doubt. Because the reality is that following Jesus, just, just hear me here, following Jesus means moments of exhaustion. It does. Following Jesus means moments of lingering doubt. What does this mean? How, how, does, this, how does this match up with my life? Following Jesus is... Yeah, it, it challenges us with that need for earthly security and economic safety and, and financial stuff and, and all those things. 
All right? Let me just tell you the point that's really on my heart. When it comes to following Jesus, we shouldn't want to be anywhere else apart from right next to Him. What a great lesson about what it is to be truly free. What it is to be truly free, I think, is finding out where Jesus is at work and how can I get my hands dirty. If Jesus is working at the night shelter, how do I get involved? If Jesus is at work up at Lives and Fishes, how do I contribute? If Jesus is working at my workplace, how can I partner with him? That's a great question for a church. That's a great question for us as, in, as individuals. It's a great way to live as his followers. Where is he at work and how can I help? And the beautiful thing is today that if you've got lost, if you've got, if the, if the journey's become too hard, if you find yourselves away from Jesus, there, there is no place he won't run to have you back at his side. Um, there's four characteristics here, just, just to, just to su- sum up, because I know some, some, some people like summing up. Four characteristics of a life that is truly set free by Jesus. Let me get up on the thing. The willing, willingness to name the wounds, because all of us, all of us have got them. Are there, are there wounds in your life that you've never allowed Jesus to begin to heal? And what identity are you living from? The second one is, are you willing to notice the one? Are you willing to embrace Jesus' call to a life of mission with that missional heart where you make a difference to the one person that Jesus puts in front of you? Willingness to share a testimony about how Jesus has changed your life and a willingness to get out of the boat. To throw away the desire for safety and security and whatever, and just, just to whatever it is, just to be where he's at work. That's the life of freedom. Let's pray. I've said enough. God, your word is good. It is clear. It is challenging. God, your, um, Lord, that freedom is on... Freedom is available for all of us today to follow you. But Lord, we also just acknowledge the fact today that, that following you has never been easy. Following you involves a lot of exhaustion. It, it involves a lot of doubt. It involves some fear. It involves you know, some, some interruptions to our life. But God, I guess, I guess, I guess the heart's cry of, of this message, the heart's cry of this the heart's cry of us as your followers is we don't want to be anywhere else apart from where you are at work. We don't want to be anywhere else and rely on anything else apart from you. And that is a massive, big decision to make. God, I pray this morning for those people you know, who, let's not lie, for man for all of us who count the cost of of what it means to follow you and it means change and it means difficulty and it means challenge 
Lord, we pray for your Spirit's empowering guidance to know how to, how to embrace those challenges and how to live from them. God, we ask for your, um, God, your, God, your presence to go before us and behind us and beside us. Would you guide us, Lord Jesus, we pray.